Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Great, well for anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Chris uh, and I'm a part of the team here at Life Community Church and it's a huge privilege, I know I say this nearly every time uh, I get this opportunity, but it is a huge privilege uh, to get to share the word of God with you this morning and uh, today we're going to be picking up our series looking at the book of Galatians, uh, Freedom in Christ, uh, Dave's been going through this, we've looked at the first two chapters so far, and I'm going to be picking up with chapter three. But before we kick things off this morning, uh, as I was preparing this message, I felt what, what I felt to be a word from God, uh, whether there's an element of the prophetic in it, I'm not sure, but I'm going to share that now. Uh, I got a sense that there's at least one person in the room here today who's come up to something in their life, a new chapter, a fresh beginning, and they're not quite sure what to do. You've reached this threshold and you've prayed the prayer, Lord God, I don't want to go unless you go before me. Lord God, give me a sign that I might know that you are in this. And that's great. They're great words to pray. It's a noble prayer to pray. And ordinarily that would be brilliant. But I believe that God's saying, actually, you don't need to pray that. I've already gone before you. I've already worked miracles in your lives. I've already given you all the signs that you need. And in fact, it says in the book of Romans, I was reminded, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even knew what life as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus might look like, God had already moved. He's already taken the first step and we're just playing catch up to him. I don't know if that word is for anyone in particular here today. Um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask for a a response right now. But if that is responding to you, if that is a word for you today, please, I'm more than happy to pray with you and chat with you after the service. Do come and and grab me and and just let me know. And I'll be happy to pray with you. But uh, for now, let's kick off with today's message. As I mentioned, we're looking at the book of Galatians, Freedom in Christ. If you've not heard any of the previous messages uh, from Pastor Dave, don't worry at all. They're all recorded online. You can have a listen to them on our website. But that said, each message, it can stand on its own. So if you've not listened to the previous ones, don't worry about hearing today's message. There's no spoiler alert or anything attached to this. Uh, However, I would highly recommend going back and having a listen. Uh, The book that we're studying, the book of Galatians, it's actually in the form of a letter for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the letter to the church in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey today. And uh, I'm picking up on the third chapter. Uh, the first two chapters, it's, it's perhaps the way it's... Because it's a letter, it's not so helpful that it's written out and broken down into chapters. Because for us today, it would be very much like opening up an email, and today I'm just going to read this paragraph, and then come back, and then tomorrow I'm going to read the second paragraph of this email... And maybe on the third day, I'm going to go back and read the first paragraph again, but I've not even finished reading the full email yet. 
we can begin to lose the immediate context of what's being said. We can begin to miss some of the nuances on what the author is saying in the letter. We can begin to miss what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. So I would highly encourage you, go back and have a listen to Dave's previous messages. But why are we studying the book of Galatians? Well, it's in this letter that we have this incredible verse that's coming up on the screen in just a moment. It hangs the whole series on this incredible verse. It says, it, it says this, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul's telling us that God's means don't just justify his ends in this case. God's ends, are, sorry, his means are the ends. It is for freedom that he has set us free. He's not released us so that we can then be held captive and hostage by other things at all. But we've been freed so that we can be free. Maybe as you're here today listening or if you're listening on podcast, what is it? that can hold you hostage? What is it that can make you a prisoner? Maybe it's your relationships in your life. Maybe it's those uh, around us, our friends, our families. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our studies. Maybe it's our work. Maybe it's our health, both physical and or mental health. All of these can be prisons for us. So today I wanna to share just a little bit about what God has done to help us break these chains and become free as God has set us to free to be. Maybe you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've come to church. You're not entirely sure why you're here. Uh, well, let me say this to you. Welcome. Welcome. You are loved. Nobody, would you believe, nobody here today is perfect. Not even me. Not even me. Would you believe? I know it's difficult. <laughs> Nobody here is perfect. You are welcome. You are loved. And today, anything can happen. Anything can happen. When we truly open ourselves up to God and ask him to speak to us, and we say, Lord God, would you have your way? Whether that's for the first time you're of asking or the hundredth time of asking, anything can happen. Because God's means are his ends. And today, I'm going to be picking up where Dave left off. Last, not last week, the week before last, he introduced a concept that we see in Galatians 2 of justification by faith. That means to be made right with God by faith. It's a big theme throughout the letter to the Galatians, this justification, this being made right with God. If you want to see it in a modern day context, it's effectively the Anthony Joshua versus Anthony, Andy Ruiz Jr. of boxing. It's the heavy hitters. It's the big dogs going toe to toe uh, happening here. Justification by faith. Just if I'd, as Dave said, never sinned through faith. Justified by faith. It's not through earning. It's not through performing. But it's by believing. So today I'm going to expand on that, and we're going to be looking at the discussion between Paul and the Galatians, what it means to have faith rather than the law, 
So, in this analogy of the boxing match, weighing in, in the, in the blue corner, weighing in at several thousand years old, plenty, plenty of scrolls of dusty text, you've got the law over here. And then over here, in the red corner, weighing in at however much a mustard seed weighs, I'm not entirely sure, really, on that, but we have faith. There we go. <laughs> Let's try that again. Let's try that again. In the blue corner, we have the law. In the red corner, we have faith. There we go. <laughs> so let's dive into the text. Let's have a look at the letter to the Galatians, and we'll see what Paul has to say about these two. One final point, though, before we really dive into it. Uh, I just want to mention that when we talk about the law today, I'm not talking about... It's turned into pantomime now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I talk about the law this morning, I'm not talking about the judicial system. I'm not talking about the don't speed, the speed limits around the, the country, the no littering or anything like that. And there is an element to that with the law. But today we're talking about the Jewish law. We're talking about uh, the teachings in the Jewish scriptures built up from around the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses and the teachings that's within the, the, the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And this was fleshed out over time, as we'll hear a little later on. But the law was the bedrock of society for the Jewish culture. It was foundational to the day-to-day -day living of the average Jew, comprising of, as we say, instructions on how to live life as a good Jew and dictating the traditions and the rituals for their celebrations. So now that we've established that, now that we know we're not talking necessarily about the legal law, let's have a look at what Paul has to say to the church in Galatia. It says this, you foolish Galatians, I love that, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it was indeed really in vain? So again I ask... Does God give you the spirit and work miracles amongst you by works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people, the Greeks in the nations, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Sometimes I'd love to start a letter or an email in the same way that Paul starts it there. I mean, he really goes in all guns blazing. I love that. You foolish Galatians. I'm pretty sure that's a surefire way for me to lose my job, though, uh, if I were to open up an email with that. <laughs> you foolish Galatians, how quickly 
do you want to revert back to doing things the old way? How quickly do you want to go back to being bound up by your traditions, by your old habits, by your old life, your old ways? You've seen God working in your family. You've seen God working in your household. You've seen him performing miracles in your life. But now you want to turn back and go back to your old ways. No wonder he calls them foolish. Paul reminds the church that it wasn't until they really put the old ways aside and began to live by faith that they received the Holy Spirit. He challenges the Galatians on the grounds by which they received the Spirit. Was it that they had worked finally hard enough, that they'd spent centuries, generations working away, following this law, following the rules that God had laid out previously for them, and then one day, poof, they've done enough. They've earned enough. They can finally pay the bill to buy the Holy Spirit. No, that's exactly what Paul says he doesn't do. By choosing to live by faith, by choosing to live by faith, Paul tells them that they can receive, or they have received, the Holy Spirit. Choosing the life of faith simply can look like saying these words. You know what? I don't see the kingdom of God. I don't see it around me. I don't understand what it might look like. But I choose to believe. I know I'm not the right person. I know I'm not the most qualified. I know I'm not perfect. But I choose to believe that God is up to something in my life. He's at work in my life. He's using me in my community. He's got a plan and a purpose for my life. He will not abandon me when times get hard. That is what living by faith looks like. It's by waking up day in and day out and making that decision. We take a step closer to the, from the life dictated by the law and by tradition. And we take one step closer to faith. Maybe you're here today and that's all you need to do. You just need to say, you know what God? I don't see it. I don't see this promise. I don't see you at work at the moment. But help me. Help me. I want to see it. God, I don't see it. But I trust you. And the more you pray that prayer, I promise you, the more you pray that prayer, your faith will begin to rise up. Something will be born inside of you. And as Jesus taught his disciples, with faith the size of the mustard seed, which we have in the, in the blue corner, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move and it'll move. Okay, but let's cut the Galatians a bit of slack here okay I mean it's it's difficult they're going against the culture they're going against generations of teaching they're going against family they're going against friends perhaps even they're, they're going against their brothers and their sisters not to mention there's a lot of persecution the early church was persecuted in some of the most brutal ways you can imagine in fact, one Roman emperor, I won't, I'll leave a bit of this to your imagination, don't worry. But one Roman emperor would even capture Christians and use them as torches to illuminate his garden. Again, I'll, I'll leave that to your imagination. But maybe it was fear of persecution, fear of the, the life and the world around them that was leading the Galatians 
to come back to the law. They've noticed, oh, well, if I stop doing this and if I start just trusting God, people start to die. That doesn't look like such a great idea at that moment to them. So it's quite easy to come back to the law. But you know what? Faith is the antithesis of fear. Or I should say fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear kills off faith. Faithful is the person who looks into the face of danger and declares that they are unafraid. And because of that, I'm inspired personally by a man who's got an awesome name, uh, by Bishop Polycarp of Smyrna. And I've got a quote. He's quoted as having said this. Eighty and six years I have served Christ, and nor has he ever done me any harm. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? I bless you for deeming me worthy this day and this hour, that I might be amongst the martyrs and drink the cup of my Lord. Bishop Polycarp, at this point, where he's quoted as having said this, was being held under house arrest due to be executed for for leading the early church. Eighty and six years I have served Christ and he's never done me harm. How now can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Such incredible words. Such amazing words. As we move on through Galatians, a good chunk of the chapter is taken up uh, discussing or arguing through scriptures, through the Old Testament to, to the early church and I'm not going to go into that so much today uh, but I would encourage you when you get a chance have a read in, in your own time go away and read why not even the whole book of the Galatians the whole letter to the Galatians it's not it's not all that long you can definitely do it in a couple an hour and a half or so I would highly encourage you to do that but Paul uses the account of Abraham as an example to anyone of someone who lives by faith If you're here today and you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus, chances are you'll be familiar with the account of Abraham. But for anyone here who's not, I'm going to give you a brief summary. In the book of Genesis, we read about this man called Abraham or Abram. Uh, He was faithful to God, despite the world around him. He was a nomadic farmer. He had his family with him. They would travel around uh, following the seasons, living hand to mouth, just trying to get by. Uh, if there was a drought in the land, they'd have to pick up, up their, life, their, their life and move on to a new area. Despite the hardships of that, Abram, or Abram was faithful to God. He had no guides. He had no law, no nothing to hang his faith on. He just trusted God the word from his parents passed down to his parents from his parents passed down generationally Abraham had faith and he kept his faith throughout it all and that was the foundation before the ten commandments Abraham uh, he, he was he was faithful to God and for his faithfulness God chooses Abraham and his family and he blesses them And he says, I'm going to make you the father of nations. And as we read earlier in uh, chapter 9, sorry, verse 9, as we read earlier, I will make you the father of nations. The Gentiles will be saved through you. 
the promise seemed impossible. The promise seemed unreal. Abraham would have struggled to believe parts of it. And if you read in Genesis, there are times where he slips up and he tries to speed things up a little bit. Um, But he keeps the faith. And we read that because of his faith, because he stuck to the promise, God blessed him and his family. And he was later renamed Abraham, bearing in mind in in the ancient traditions, names are incredibly significant. They might seem little to us, but there is huge significance in that. He, he He was renamed Abraham and he does become the father of the nations and he was declared righteous with God. If we fast forward now a couple of hundred years, we see the people of Israel as they try to work out what it means to be this nation set apart by God, set apart for a purpose. What does that mean? How are we supposed to live our lives? And it's into this context that God speaks to Moses and he gives him the law. He gives him the Ten Commandments, which is then fleshed out. Uh, One example of this, maintain the Sabbath. A simple rule that God tells his people to do. Maintain the Sabbath. Have a day of rest. Hands up here, who knows? Working seven days a week gets pretty tiring. Have a day of rest. However, by the time we get to the time where Paul's writing to the early church, this had been blown way out of proportion. The law in itself was great. It was a guide for the Israelites to, to, to know how to live God's way. However, in order to stop the church, uh, not the church, sorry, the people from breaking this first rule, the religious leaders would then put another rule around that rule. So they've got a fence around that one rule. So, well, if, they, if they're going to break that rule, then at least they've not yet broken the one rule that God gave us. But... Mm. That's maybe a little bit too close. So uh, let's put another rule around that one. And you've got these concentric circles of rules which grew and grew and grew. And again, I'll give you an example of that. How to maintain the Sabbath. Well, they put in the rule that, well, you're not allowed to work during this time. But then, well... What defines work? I mean, people do different things in society. What defines work? And eventually, one, one example was that, well, making mud, make, maybe making bricks or something like that. Well, that's work. Okay. So you can't make, you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to make mud on this day. But what if you want to spit? What if you're walking around and you need to spit? Well, make sure you spit on a rock. Because if you spit on the ground, that can make mud, which is then working, which is then breaking the Sabbath, which is a big no-no. So you can very quickly see how this became a bit of a trap for people to, uh, to get caught in. What had originally been set out as a guide to help and to steer the Israelite people had become this bloated, this corpulent, this system corrupt where people were hamstringed and anchored rather than honoured and helped. But what's the best news of all? The best news I'm going to bring today is because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, 
that we here today can be grafted into that promise of God. That promise that if you believe, you don't have to follow this mess of a law. You don't, if you really want, you can spit on the mud. But you don't have to follow this law. If you believe, you can be made right with God. Justified, never sinned. Paul writes that now Jesus has come, we no longer need the law as a guide, as a shepherd to show us the way to go. We are reconciled, made right with God. We're grafted into the promise of God. And the freedom that was promised to Abraham can belong to us as well. We don't need to be held hostage or captive by our our circumstances, by our situations, our relationships our finances, our jobs, whatever it is. Maybe you're here today and you just feel like there's something amiss. You feel like there must be something more to life than this. Well, Jesus would say this to you. He'd say, welcome. He wants to welcome you into this new life, into this freedom that he has called out for you. When we come to Jesus and we ask him to take the steering wheel of our lives and we keep our hands off, we can be baptised into the church. When we go into the waters of baptism, we participate in the death of Jesus. Our old lives, our old ways, our old habits, they're crucified alongside Jesus We take the hammer and the nails and we stick them to the cross alongside Jesus. And then when we come up out of the waters, we participate in the resurrection. We enter into the new life that is promised to us. In Paul's words, we are clothed in Christ. It's not an easy journey. I promise you, it's not easy. It can be quite tough at times. And it's a decision that needs to be made Every day, every decision, every time you feel your eyes slipping off the target. No, no, I choose not to look to the law, to my traditions. I choose not to respond in my old ways, in my old habits. But instead, I look to God. I look to God who has freedom for me. You know, that's the reason I love my morning devotional time. Every morning when I wake up, I take just a few moments And I come before God and I say, Lord, would you have your way in my life this morning? I put aside all of my old thoughts, Lord God, and I say, would you fill me with your spirit once more? Every morning I wake up, I take stock and I thank God for everything that he has given me. And that he's given me another day to continue to to grow and to live in his creation. And by doing that... By doing that, I find my faith is lifted just that little bit more. Every time I come to that revelation that it is not me who lives, as it says in chapter 2, as Dave was looking at, it is not me now who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Every time I come to that revelation, I put the knife back into the old Chris once again, so that the new Chris, the Chris that's clothed in Christ, can live and God can work through me. And friends, as we're here today, uh, just as we begin to wrap up our time together, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to pray for anyone here today who's, maybe this is the first time 
you've heard this message. This is for the first time you've heard that there's freedom for you. Maybe it's the first time someone's told you that actually you don't have to strive and work to earn God's love. In just a moment, I want to pray for you. But finally, in the words of Glyn Barrett, he's the national leader of Assemblies of God, Great Britain now. Uh, in, his, in the words of him, I want to, to say, if you find one day when you wake up that God is trying to kill you, please have the good grace to die quickly. Have the good grace to die quickly because it means that the sooner that you can die to yourself, the sooner God can have his way in your life, the sooner that God can work in and around you, the sooner that the new life that he has been promised can be worked out in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for our time together. Father, I thank you that, that you choose to love us. Father God, that you choose to save us. Father God, and thank you that we, that there's nothing we can do to earn your love, to earn your freedom. Father God, we choose to set apart, set aside our old ways. We choose to look to you, to live a life of faith. Father God, would you help us? If this is the first time of hearing this message, I'm going to pray this for you. And why don't you pray alongside with me? You don't have to stand up. You don't have to raise a hand or anything. You can just whisper it along with me if you choose. Father God, I thank you that you have set us free. Father God, I'm sorry for the times where I've messed up. For the times where I just missed the mark. Father God, would your spirit come upon me now? Would your freedom enter into my heart as I choose to live for you I know it's not going to be easy I know there's going to be challenges along the way but Father God I want the freedom that you can give so would you have your way thank you Father God Amen we hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.